the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up. On this beautiful Friday morning, you are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damien Collado and David Dawson. Happy Friday, guys. Happy Friday, indeed. The weekend is here. Yes, it is, and everybody's looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice one, to say the least. And today being the feast day of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, did you all know she passed away at the Young age of 24. 24. Yeah. Early 1200s. Wasn't that the same age as Teresa of Lisieux? That I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, very young. Uh, Patron saint of bakers, beggars, brides, widows, hospitals, uh, the homeless, and death of children. Wow. Um, So uh, Quite the brushstroke there. So she's got a mixed bag. It's right down the course, uh, the homeless being the poor. We're going to offer up a prayer on her behalf in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, recognize Christ in the poor. Grant through her intercession that we may serve with unfailing charity the needy and those afflicted. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. We will learn more about her later on during our Saint of the Day, but we are starting off with some events in our listening area. We will give you details about at 10 after. You can find all of the events we discussed today at our website at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Dr. Mark Williams joins us. He is the superintendent of Catholic schools in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, and they have a lot of things happening in the diocese that he'll give us updates on. In 35 minutes, Lori Graham joins us. She's a nurse practitioner over at Woman's New Life Clinic, and she will be updating us on what they are up to. And in 48 minutes, Emily Chapman joins us once again. She's a Catholic author, and she's talking about a really cute new children's book, The Supper of the Lamb. So looking forward to hearing from these great guests today on this beautiful Friday morning. Damien, looking forward to your weekend weather report. Well, hopefully you're looking forward to the weekend, too, because uh, clouds are Mm going to start to clear out and roll out of here once and for all, for a little while anyway. Uh, Fog, though, patchy fog in some areas, so be careful in regards to that. may want to get that early morning commute off to a 5 to 10-minute head start. And other than that, it's going to be three great days coming up with a high around 75. Hmm. And uh, sunny skies, little or no chance of rain through Sunday. To start Thanksgiving week, though, we may see some rain on Monday and Tuesday, a 50% and 80% chance, respectively. Wow. Uh, But once the rain clears out, 
Thanksgiving Day is going to be a beauty. Uh, looks like it's going to be a little chilly, though. 60 degrees is the expected high on Thanksgiving Day, oh, wow. but sunny skies. Mm-hmm. Temperatures in and around the area right now. Everybody reporting in the 60s. Mobile and Gulfport at 62. Covington, 63 degrees. New Orleans also reporting 62 degrees. Over in Homa Thibodeau at 61. And in Baton Rouge at 61 degrees. So those are your temps. That's your forecast. If you know you're going to have some patchy fog on the way to your commute, get a head start. Yeah, we've dealt with that a few weeks in the past. We don't want to deal with that again. No, we don't. Go go slow, go Mm -hmm. early, go safe. Be cautious for sure. Yeah. And don't go too far because uh, we have the gospel coming your way as well as reflection and a number of events that are taking place. This is a busy time of year, and everybody likes to have fairs, festivals, and a lot of celebrations, as well as retreats. So we're going to give you all those details coming up. It's 5 After right now on this Friday morning on Wake Up. Good morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Similarly, as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building on the day when Lot left Sodom. Fire and brimstone rained from the sky to destroy them all. So it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, someone who is on the housetop and whose belongings are in the house must not go down to get them, and likewise one in the field must not return to what was left behind. Remember the wife of Lot. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses it will save it. I tell you, on that night there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. And there will be two women grinding meal together. One will be taken, the other left. They said to him in reply, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. When Jesus returns at his second coming, that cataclysmic event will occur so suddenly that there may be no time to repent. To stress the point of unexpected suddenness, Jesus drew on two catastrophic events that were familiar to his audience. The first was a great flood at the time of Noah, and the second was the destruction of Sodom. In both instances, the people went about their daily tasks, living without any warning that a catastrophe was lurking at their door. Because the time of the second coming is unknown, Many Christians ignore the sense of urgency Jesus is trying to give us in today's gospel. However, we are all familiar with death. We are also familiar with sudden deaths, where the deceased had little or no warning that he would soon be standing before God's judgment. Then his eternal destiny is sealed by how he lived his life. Only a fool is complacent about his judgment because eternity lasts forever. Fear of hell is not the highest motive, but it is far better than the experience of hell. 
Jesus' message is clear. Whoever lives by preferring the comforts and pleasures of this world to God will lose his eternal life in the time of judgment. But in contrast, those who lose their life by rejecting the false values of this world, the flesh and the devil, will keep his eternal life forever. When Jesus spoke about one taken and one left, he was not informing us of some secret rapture where the just would be swept up into heaven out of danger at the time of the Antichrist and Jesus' second coming. This false idea has absolutely no biblical support. Jesus was here using an idiom of speech to express unexpected suddenness. The one taken unexpectedly is the one taken to judgment. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus came to free us from sin, not tribulation. He calls us to carry our cross after him, not to escape it. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Jimmy. 11 after the hour, and you're listening to Wake Up, Damian Collado, Gabby Smith, and David Dawson. Here are some events taking place in and around our area. If you live in the Covington area and you happen to go to St. Peter's Catholic Church, here's your opportunity if you're in the Junior CYO because tonight they're having their rock event. That's right. Games, fellowship, and fun. It's going to be at St. Mary's Hall from 5 to 7, and it's for 5th to 7th graders. So this will give your young ones a little something to do, and it's the Junior CYO Youth Group, and it's called Rock at St. Peter's Catholic Church. Then, to top it off, tomorrow night, the CYO itself is having Torch Night. And that's going to be from 5 to 8, also in St. Mary's Hall. And they're going to have food, games, talks, and even uh, a little bit of uh, fellowship. If you'd like more information, you can just go to ccmedia.live and get all the details. That's going to be, by the way, for 8th to 12th graders. It's high school students for Torch Night. Wow. They're not setting the world on fire. I was about to just, say, what, just you, what about the hearts, torches? Okay, their good. hearts are going to be well, set I on mean, fire. And, and plus, think about it. That's two go. nights in a row. The parents can just chill and that's have a right. good time. That's yeah. nice. All right. Mm. A virtual Advent retreat uh, is coming up. And it is uh, for experienced prayers and those just beginning in prayer. If God's nudging you about big, big Beginning spiritual direction, the Advent Retreat is a wonderful opportunity to experience what spiritual direction is. So you'll attend a virtual opening group session, and you'll spend time in personal prayer with Scripture for approximately 30 minutes each day. And then you'll meet with a trained spiritual director weekly during the retreat, and it's a private session. So this begins December 3rd at 2 p.m. all the way through December 21st at 7 p.m. is when it ends. And so you can make a donation of $40, or I'm I'm sure adjustments can be made. And to register, you go to the web to nolacatholic.org, or of course, ccmedia.live. We'll have that link there for you as well.
Yeah, well, happening over in Metairie, the St. Catherine of Siena Co-op and Knights of Columbus will once again participate in the annual Coats for Kids drive. The KCs will be collecting new and lightly used winter coats at every Mass on the weekend of November 24th through the 25th, so that is the next weekend. Mm. Collection bins for the coats will be available in the Narthex, and the Co-op will also be collecting through the school carpool line on November 29th, and that is a Wednesday. So get those coats out uh, so someone can have a warm winter. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Please I'm donate to, those coats. Yeah, and to follow up on that, the Knights of Columbus nationally have reached a major milestone this month when they donated their one millionth coat through the Coats for Kids program wow. just this past week. Wow. Since really? 2009, the Knights of Columbus have provided high-quality winter coats for kids, just as Gabby said, in need of time for winter. And uh, they distribute them throughout the 49 states and all 10 Canadian provinces. Coats have also been distributed on U.S. military bases and Native American and First Nation reservations in the United States and Canada. That, that I is did wonderful. Not know. One million That's coats. Amazing. Yes. That's and counting. Yeah, yeah. That is not going to stop. No, right? Not at all. Well, we're going to keep going as well. Dr. Mark Williams is going to be with us. He's superintendent of Catholic Schools in Home at Thibodeau. And we're going to be talking about what's going on in that diocese education-wise and what challenges and goals he has in place. It's 15 after on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 17th. Today we celebrate St. Elizabeth of Hungary. A queen may be an unlikely person to be known for her love for the poor and suffering, but that's who Elizabeth of Hungary was and why the common people treasured her in 13th century Hungary. The daughter of Hungary's king, Elizabeth was married to Louis Thuringia at age 14. It was a happy union that produced three children. Under the spiritual direction of a Franciscan, she led a life of prayer, sacrifice, and service to the poor and sick. She wore simple clothing and each day fed the hundreds of poor people who came to the royal gates. After six years of marriage, Elizabeth lost her husband in the Crusades. Although grief-stricken, Louis's family expelled her from the palace, claiming that she'd squandered Louis's fortune. Eventually restored to her rightful position, she became a secular Franciscan and spent the remaining few years of her short life caring for the poor in a hospital that she founded and dedicated to St. Francis. Elizabeth died in 1231 before her 24th birthday and was canonized four years later. She is the patron of Catholic Charities and of the Secular Franciscan Order. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Almost 19 after the hour. So glad you could join us on Wake Up. And with us now, Dr. Mark Williams, Superintendent of Catholic Schools in the Diocese of Home at Thibodeau, here to give us an update of what's going on in uh, that diocese as far as Catholic education is concerned. Dr. Mark, thank you for being with us this morning. 
It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, Damien. I hope you're enjoying a wonderful morning. I am so far, and it's good to have you on board again to give us an update. You know, uh, there, there's there been some – you're relatively new to your position, but I will say this. I love the fact that you've set the goals and the bar pretty high uh, when it comes to academics in the diocese for K through 12. Share with us a little bit about some of the goals you have or some of the challenges you may have had to overcome to get those goals in place. That's a great question because while the the, the country um, here in the United States, we had the pandemic from March of 2020, you know, all the way through, you know, 2022 and you know we finally landed but <laughs> here in the diocese of home of thibodeau we had hurricane ida as yeah, well to add to that so, right <laughs> yes we we were absolutely smacked yeah. by hurricane ida a fierce storm and we were not even in our schools we we were in uh, other locations and churches and parishes just trying to do the best that we could mm. and so so academically, it, it really nearly came to a screeching halt. And, you know, it's funny, you know, you know what, what God brings us through, because we had, a, we had an accreditation visit. We had to re-accredit mm-hmm. our schools in 2023. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that is a very difficult endeavor. We actually said, we're going get, to get it done by the grace of God. And, and we did. And so... We were able to just look directly at our challenges um, of, you know, remote learning, of mm-hmm. uh, missed instructional time and seat time due to being out, uh, you know, for, for a, a few weeks for Ida and, and actually set a plan to go forward to, you know, not only raise test scores, but look, here in Catholic schools, we learned something very important about the pandemic. And you know what that is? Hmm. The, it's evangelization and education are best done in person. Now, I yes. like the idea that we have Amen. Our, Amen. Virtual mass, our virtual mass for our folks who are homebound. That's a very valuable tool. You know, we can bring them the Eucharist. Um, you know, to the retirement centers and and places like that. But we learned that in Catholic schools, it's best done in person. And so we we were blessed, you know, to to be back in school, you know, before most of the other areas Mm -hmm. of the country. And as a result, we didn't have these drastic drops in in ACT scores. You know, the ACT score in America is at its lowest level in like two decades. But yet we're still experiencing, you know, solid scores. I know here in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, we're about four points above the state average. Oh, wow. Uh, And we're we're about two and a half points above the national average. But we have a lot of growth to do, and and so uh, some of the some of the things academically that we're trying to do, Damien, is number one, we we want to we want to we want to assess everything. You know, I have this saying: we measure what we treasure, right? And that and so so we 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 have these small interim tests in August and January where we can get a little snapshot of how we're doing, and that's not the summative test that we send home and you know you get your your spring test score and all, this is this is for the teachers to to mold instruction and then of course 
we do take those large summative tests in, in April. We do a diocesan-wide. We have a diocesan-wide ACT day where we measure learning. But we also, we also measure the religious knowledge. We take every single student, teacher, even the superintendent took the ARC test, the mm. assessment of religious knowledge uh, nice. last year. Everyone in grades 2 through 12, all the faculty, so that way we know what our strengths and weaknesses are in our Catholic faith. Yeah, and and good. I I think that's wonderful, especially, as you mentioned, in the United States, things have kind of taken a a spiral downward. And then you see what's going on in Oregon, where the public school system is doing away with standardized measurements, uh, getting rid of reading, math, and writing when it comes to graduating. Yet, you're flipping the coin and saying, we're going to not only continue that, but we're going to strive for excellence in that regard. And I love the fact that you want to build disciples of the students. How do you go about incorporating, uh, I, I guess, uh, Christ with the teachers? How do, you, how do you incorporate that in the classroom? Because I think they go hand-in-hand with our Catholic education. They do. And, and you know, the Catholic school, the Catholic school has to be a place where I mean, I I almost want to measure the number of sacraments. You know, when we talk about reconciliation, the Mm -hmm. Eucharist, confirmation, and then also not a sacrament, but, you know, adoration. You know, we, 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 every single one of our schools is required to have weekly mass. It is required to be student-led. Mm-hmm. I want those students to be right up next to the consecration and serving so they can see. And, and, and the teachers, we have a, a, an in-service every year, an educator's convocation, and we make sure that we know that teachers understand that they are walking billboards. They have to be the face of Christ. They have to, even in difficult situations. Oh, yes. Sure. Which, Especially you know, in difficult situations. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and like, whether it's a crucial conversation with a parent, whether it's a child maybe who's, you know, not behaving in the most ideal way, to, to try to approach it with a gospel-based, you know, message, you know, like, like be the face of Christ when you have to encounter those difficult moments. But, yeah. you know, praying every day in class, you know, it just just centering so much around the weekly Mass. You know, I had um, a principal yesterday, Dr. Cindy Martin, over at St. Gregory School, who sent me a video, you know, of the, they sang the rosary yesterday, hmm. you know, at the school. I mean, every single day evangelizing praying, teaching the children, you know, the value of this. You know, I had a parent, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Strainy. Uh, she was the mother of our fifth grade student of the year last year. She's a physician. And she said, you know, I went to Catholic school my whole life, and I've, I've done a lot in academics. I'm a physician. But the most important lessons I learned were my spiritual lessons, because that's what got me to this point. Exactly. And so I, I, I think it's important that we that we infuse our Catholic faith in a strong way in every single classroom and give the students the tools that Dr. Strini is referring to. 
Yeah. You virtues also play a big role in the classroom and you try to incorporate that as well with your academic team. Damien, you know what we learned we in our, in our arc tests, I'm not ashamed, but but virtue was the number one need of our mm. student population from wow. 2 to 12. Wow. Number one. It said it said it told us that we need to work on virtue with these young people. And so we did. So every school has a virtue program and the principle of subsidiarity. We let everyone choose it at, at, at their own level to see what type of program was best for them. But everyone, we have a, we have a virtue program in every school and, and we just announced that we're going to have the Roman Robichaud virtue award at the diocesan level well, we're going to give a thousand dollar scholarship wow. to students. Wow! <laughs> nice. That's um, nice. Who, That's nice. Who, who, who have, you know, who demonstrate virtue? So we're 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 really we're really blessed that we are able to do this. We have some very generous people helping us do this, and if if this is what we need, we're we're, we're going to go all in. That's great. And try to make it happen. We've got about a minute left, uh, and I, I'm curious, uh, have you gotten any pushback on, on what you're incorporating? Because I love, your A, your enthusiasm, your leadership. It's evident that things are on fire in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Uh, any pushback, or are you communicating with other dioceses to say, hey, what are you doing there, Dr. Mark, to make things happen? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is I have a bishop who supports me unconditionally. Bishop Mario Dorsonville, I cannot thank my bishop enough. He tells me every day how much he appreciates what I do. And I got to tell you, that's big mm. for me. That's you know, the, the amount of affirmation that I get from my bishop, I mean, he pat, I mean, he basically pats me on the back on a daily basis. I'm so <laughs> thankful for him. Um, and and re- uh, you know, it's just wonderful. You know, he does have high expectations, but I appreciate that, mm-hmm. and and intend and 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 intend to deliver. And and so I am very close with the seven superintendents in the diocese in the in the state of Louisiana. We just met yesterday as a group, and um, I'm you know we work and collaborate together. So yes, I, we we work together on many many issues. Well, Dr. Mark Williams, superintendent of Catholic schools in the Diocese of Homativito. Keep doing the good work you're doing because I know you got Christ smiling upon you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great weekend. Coming up next, we have Lori Graham with Woman's New Life Clinic. Don't go too far. It's 30 after the hour on this Friday morning of Wake It is 35 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Clotto and David Dawson. Our next guest is Lori Graham. Lori is a nurse practitioner over at Woman's New Life Clinic. Good morning, Lori. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, good morning. How are you? First off, I'm a, I'm a nurse. Shannon's our nurse practitioner. Ah. I'm an RN. Oh, 
Oh, thank you so much for the correction. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate the correction. You do so much good work over at Woman's New Life Clinic. You and and the wonderful staff, the need is still there and it will continue to be there. Uh, Let's talk about ultrasounds today because ultrasounds can be the thing that saves the life of a child and completely transforms the life of the woman getting the ultrasound or the couple. So tell us, how is it over at Woman's New Live Clinic? Is there still a need for free access to ultrasounds? Oh, there definitely is. We get calls every day for women in crisis. So many of them still think Louisiana offers abortion. So, um, and they, you know, they can go out of state. They, some of them try and, um, you know, get it by mail. And so we need to um, have this service here for them. They need to know, they need to be able to have the opportunity to see their baby, to bond with their baby, to, to, to gather important information such as gestational age, if the baby has a heartbeat, make sure the baby's not ectopic. Mm-hmm. You know, Lori, we're talk- we talk about this all the time. Every month we have someone from Women's New Life Clinic putting this in the forefront. It's important that we continue to talk about it because I think that the pushback is getting louder. Um, and states that were pro-life are now becoming pro-choice. Um, and it's a little scary. So let's also continue that f- fighting that good fight, as people like to say. Um, but how are ultrasounds beneficial for the woman or the couple that comes in to see you guys? Well, first off, you know, they, um, they do, most of them have done a test at home and they see these two pink lines on the strip and they, mm-hmm. they're in crisis. They're immediately going to panic. By the time they come here and the way our, um, our visits are structured, they see the counselor to kind of help them sift through that, you know, through the emotional and it, but it's still like all in your head. So by the time they come to the ultrasound, this, these two yeah. pink lines and all these, um, anxieties and all becomes an animated little person you know they can see that Mm -hmm. there is a real person and it and it just adds a level of reality to the whole process then they've gathered that information they go back to counseling and they can sift through it a little bit more yeah well and and like you said it becomes real for them it settles in and they want to know what they can do next. They want that guidance, and that's where that counseling comes in. But when they he- see the ultrasound, they can also at times detect the heartbeat, depending on how early they are. Uh, it, when can you detect a heartbeat? I think that there's like kind of a, a conversation there on when conception starts or how early you can detect a heartbeat. So what have you found? Well, we generally can detect cardiac heartbeat at five weeks, five days. And, um, Mm. you know, it's visible, it can be counted, um, you know, and and it shocks these women. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. the baby has a heartbeat already? And we're like, yes, you know, this is is what we're seeing. It's real, you know. So I think that helps foster a lot lot of change in hearts too, you know, because there's so much misinformation in the media about, about what is that? What exactly are they carrying? Mm-hmm. And then so many of them will yeah. say, "Oh, it's not just cells; it has a heartbeat." I'm like, "Yes, mm-hmm. you know." I'm so glad we could help you see that. How many ultrasounds does Women's New Life Clinic perform? I would say monthly. Well, uh, this year in October we did 484, so that would average about 848 wow. per month. 
Wow. Between wow, us that's amazing. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, that that's is a lot. Have you found that you've gotten more calls, um, you know, with the overturn of Roe versus Wade or um, just with that and different rules depending on states and people coming in? I think we're getting uh, as many calls as we were before in the New Orleans area, but we are also getting more calls from out of state, people looking for things. And so even Mm. though there may or not be close enough to come visit us, we can still talk to them about the importance of getting an ultrasound. And we do have lists of other pregnancy centers in other states that we can su- suggest that maybe they go there. You know, so it's not a total loss just because they're not in our state. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's beneficial. They might not have ever called us before, hmm. you know? Yeah. Lori, yeah. Well, do, I know that... Do the women have to pay for any of this? Oh, no, our services are free, and um, often they come in, and part of their crisis is that they have other children at home, some that are still in diapers, some that need various needs, and we can help because we have so many generous donors that we can help supply them with these things and kind of, like, alleviate some of the the pain of the crisis moment. Yeah, because you hear ultrasound, you you already start thinking dollars and things of that nature. Yeah, that's and the so, first thing you think of. <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing I wanted to make sure is women don't have to be apprehensive to go because there there is no cost put upon them, is what you're saying. Oh, no, there's no cost. And then sometimes... You know, our, our, we're trying to facilitate them to make a de- to care for them, to help them make a decision that would that mm-hmm. they can live with for the rest of their life. So sometimes, if they come to us and they're still indecisive, well, I will sometimes say, if you want to come back for a second ultrasound, please feel free. Oh, if it wonderful. helps you in your discernment. Nice, that is great. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and and Damien makes a great point, dollars with ultrasounds, but also with counseling as well. That can turn out to be very expensive, but the fact that Women's New Life Clinic offers that, thanks to generous donations for free to the person coming in, um, is absolutely incredible. Yeah, the counselors are awesome, and, you know, they counsel our women, they counsel them for various needs. We have, um, they get counseling while they're pregnant if they're having difficulty, um, they can get post-abortive counseling. They can get postpartum counseling. Men can come for those kind of services, too, for post-abortive mm-hmm. counseling. Um, and it's all free. And um, they can also kind of direct them to various uh, resources that they may not know is available to them. That's interesting. That's interesting. Do you get many yeah, men come in uh, for counseling? Not that many, but mm-hmm. I think I don't know if a lot of men know that there's post-abortive services for them sure they're yeah. affected too i'm sure yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. very much so okay amazing Lori, have you witnessed any changes of heart when women see their child on ultrasound oh yeah i've seen so many um i think though the most recent one and it's really odd because uh she was she had her, she was off on her dates, which is about eighty percent of our women that come in. Mm. Another reason why the ultrasound is is helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, when I did the ultrasound, it, all we could see was just the gestational sac, you know, where the baby will be is developing, but the baby's too small. But just seeing that made her change her mind. Wow. She's like, no, you know, this is I want to maintain my pregnancy. Oh my goodness, that's nice. Amazing. Well, Lori, um, it's that time of year where people like to give back. Is there a need that you're looking for this season? Uh, Maybe some supplies, diapers, baby supplies that you guys are looking for? 
We are always looking for supplies, diapers, diapers, pull-ups, because like I said, a lot of times it's not the baby that they're carrying that they're in need for. It's the toddler at home who's in size five pull-ups or whatever, you know? So various needs, um, diapers, um, you know, um, material goods. And, and of course we are participating in I Give Catholic right now. So, and, um, that would be www.womansnewlife.com forward slash I Give Catholic. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lori Graham, registered nurse over at Woman's New Life Clinic. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for promoting our, our um, clinic. Yes, and definitely check them out, womansnewlife.com or igivecatholic.org. Uh, you can go and support them uh, as well on there. Advanced Giving is happening right now through the 27th, and the actual giving days on Giving Tuesday on November 28th. So definitely go and check them out as well. Emily Chapman joins us when we return from the break. We're talking about a new children's book called The Supper of the Lamb. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson along with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith on this fine Friday morning. And right now we have Emily Chaplin, Chapman, excuse me, a Catholic author. And she has a new book she has co-written here. It's The Supper of the Lamb, Emily Stimson Chapman. And it's by Scott Hahn and Emily Stimson Chaplin. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. <laughs> so is it, did... This this is very interesting. Did you collaborate with Scott Hahn, or did you take his The Lamb Supper and uh, turn it into The Supper of the Lamb for kids? How did that work? <laughs> it's the latter. So okay. Scott and I have worked together for a long time. Um, so the ideas in it are his. It's uh-huh. his theology. It's his. You know, it's his. Um, really, the heart of his book, The Lamb Supper. Right. And right. then I took that and turned it into. You know, boiled it down. To something that children could understand yeah. and turned it into a poem so it would stick in their heads and their parents' heads and anyone who's reading it to them. Says. No, I'm, I'm, and for those that are watching on the stream or on Catholic Life TV or WLAE, I'm holding it up to the camera to see it's a good-sized book. It's the kind you want to put in your lap uh, with your kids and read aloud. It, it is beautiful. And uh, talk a little bit about how it is written. You said it is, it is in poetry, and then you've got the, the, the cadence of the poetry. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's written in rhyming couplets. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, am, I am a writer. I was One of my majors in college was English, so I'm passionate about good poetry. Yeah. And so correct rhyme and meter is incredibly important. So yeah. often in children's literature, you know, they they start with the rhyme, but then it gets difficult, so they drop it, or they don't understand meter, they don't understand how poetry should scan when you read it, so yeah. it doesn't rewrite. And that, you know, poetry is a teaching tool, rhyming is a teaching tool. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it's done that way, not just because it's beautiful, but because it gets in your head, it gets in your heart. And so we really wanted to make sure we got the rhyme and the meter right, as well as the ideas, because we want... We want this to form children's hearts and minds. Yeah. And the, the getting your headness of it yeah. is, is part of that formation. Was that your idea? I mean, like, for instance, I mean, was it you read The Supper of the Lamb and it came to you, oh, we got to make this for kids. Did, is that what happened? Or <laughs> no. What? 
No, it All was Scott's right. idea. It was Scott's idea. And oh, okay. He has uh, so many grandchildren. I've lost count at this point. And mm. he and one of the editors, our editor, Melissa from Emmaus Road, were talking. And they thought, you know, what would be great? Because so often Scott would have grandparents and parents come to them and say, you know, I'm just so worried about my kids, my yes, grandkids, right. falling away from the faith. I don't know how, like, how do I help them? I wish you, I wish you could put this in a book that my grandkids could read. I wish you could put this in a book that my kids would read to their grandkids and maybe they would come to understand it. So wow. Scott, um, Scott and Melissa approached me about taking Scott's ideas and then turning them into children's books. And I'm a mom of three little kids. And so I was the one who's like, well, we got to make it rhyme, guys. <laughs> it yeah. needs to rhyme because I know what books my kids read. I know what books they remember. I know what books they walk around reciting. Yes. And I want my kids walking around reciting these books and not just, you know, Little Blue Truck. That's true. That's true. You want to sell it to the kids. And who can be a better salesperson than mom saying, I have got to convince these kids of this. So, uh, yeah, you, well, you, you knew how to convey also- it. <laughs> Yeah, it's also, I think it's helpful to parents as they're reading the books to kids to help sometimes us understand the basic, you know, things about our faith. But I love this because this is a book that I would have taken to Mass with my son when he was, you know, younger. Uh, Those books about Mass to understand what is going on at his level. Yeah, it's been so fun for me, especially, you know, when I was, when I'm writing the books, when I'm writing the poems, I always read them to my kids to see if it'll hold their attention and what mm-hmm. parts they laugh at, and what parts they ask questions about. But when the book actually came out, we had Trisha's gorgeous illustrations. It's so great now to read the book at home and then take it with us to mass and we'll see like the consecration mm-hmm. and I can point the picture, point out the picture in the book yeah. of the consecration. Yeah. Look, you see, this is going on. And all the angels are around, yeah. but we can't see them, but they're right there in the book. And it just helps to mm-hmm. make it more concrete and real for them. I mean, they're still wild. Yeah. You, you know. You know, and I'm, I'm, looking, yeah. at, I'm <laughs> looking at the illustrations and the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the illustrations and, and, the, and the coloring of the illustrations in the books and everything. They're beautiful. They're not harsh. They're not overly bright or anything like that. And I always picture when I'm in mass and I've got kids in the pew in front of me and sometimes they're sitting there looking at books and you're right. Some of the books are just crazy uh, and I don't know why they have them in mass. This one, I have a hunch I'd be looking over the shoulder and I'd be probably kind of reading along with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, well, Trisha does such a beautiful job with the symbolism. Like, it's just rich imagery in all of the pictures. They're, they're almost like icons for children. Um, there's just that, that sort of elevated tone to them and a beautiful color palette. And yeah, I'm yeah. so, so happy with mm-hmm. what Trisha did. Well, um, and and again, the way it is written, and because it's it's based on, I guess the the the, uh, the Lamb Supper, you know, it it's going to go into detail. They're going to have a greater, much greater understanding of the Mass. I mean, because this goes deep. It's starting off with Moses, you know, uh, saying to a child, "Come see, come see." Uh, what did it say? Uh, "Come to the supper with me," he cried. "Come to the supper the Lamb provides." Just come with me and you will see the king of all kings in majesty. And it, it just and then it just grows from there and goes through the, I guess, the entire history, if you will, of uh, the, the, the mass and the and the Eucharist. Right. It does. And, you know, we don't expect four year olds to completely be theologians it. by the time uh, they. Throw. OK, <laughs> right. The idea is we're planting seeds and the book is can be what I've been surprised by is how many parents have contacted me. 
to tell me that their preteen and their teenagers love the book. Yeah. Um, it's opening up ideas for them, and they are getting the concept. But when we start introducing these to children at a young age, you're planting seeds. You're creating associations. You're helping the story become so familiar that they don't remember a time they didn't know the story. They're not going to be 25 mm. or 30 or 45 going, That's true. Wait, what? The Why didn't we know this? Yeah. Why didn't I know this? Like, yep. that was me. And so we want children to just always know it. And they're going to grow in their understanding, and they're going to make connections as they go, grow older. But this really gives them familiarity with the landscape at an early age. And in words, stay in their head. Yeah. And so that can to, the meaning continues to be unlocked, and their understanding continues to deepen as those words linger in their head and heart. This is a this is a, a great Christmas gift. What age would you say this uh, is mm-hmm. geared towards? Uh, I mean, technically, we say it's five to twelve, yeah. but I think you know I read it to my three year old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just point out the pictures, and so sure. we look at the pictures, we look at the different aspects of the math. Uh, my five-year-old gets it, a, gets it a lot better and is starting to ask questions. My two-year-old is not interested You're at right. all in it. <laughs> but you know, if a teenager picks it up, he's going to look at it, or he or she's going to look at it, so it couldn't hurt there to have it laying around for the teenagers because it, it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's a great book for the whole family. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book for the whole family. It's a great St. Nicholas Day gift. Yes. We always give gifts to our kids at St. Nicholas Day. Beautiful. So it's one of those books cute. that the mm-hmm. whole family really can read aloud and enjoy together. All right. The book is called The Supper mm-hmm. of the Lamb by Scott Hahn and Emily Stimson Chapman. Emily, uh, where can we get this book? Because... We're going to get this book. You can get it from the St. Paul Center. Okay. <laughs> get it from the St. Paul Center. That's always best. Uh, you can get it uh, from online retailers like Amazon, or you can ask your local Catholic bookstore to carry it. We they love it should. They should. Mm-hmm. Emily, thank you. We're going to ho- hopefully you're putting another one of these together. And we're going to talk to you real soon about that. We are. This is our second. We've got four more coming. Hot so. dang. All right. Wonderful. Emily Chapman, thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Isn't it great? A, a, a lot of this, I, I have some other books that came over about Christmas at Advent for kids. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is. Well, good. It's mm-hmm. a new market that's being tapped. And and it needs uh, to be. needs yeah. to be. That's right. Got to lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. It's part of evangelization. Amen. All right. Well, it's been a fun week. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you have a great weekend. We'll wrap up with prayer. Yeah. Dear Lord, I come to you today asking for guidance. I feel lost and overwhelmed and I need your help in finding my way. Please open my eyes and heart to the direction you want me to take. Help me to make wise decisions that will lead me closer to your path for my life. Give me the strength and courage to persevere when times are difficult. Lead me with your truth and love so that I may live a life that brings glory to your name. Thank you for your guidance and protection. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend and a great Friday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.